And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. John Vance. Hello, everyone. Well, John, it's great to have you here with us today. You know, um, this is the time of year. It's already uh, September, towards the end of September, and uh, time is flying. Pretty soon elections are coming up. That certainly is taking a lot of interest uh, among our citizens this time of year. This is uh, kind of an interesting discussion, I think, today. I I trust our listeners find it interesting. And it's more of a philosophical discussion, I guess you would say, concerning Christians' involvement uh, in this world. Um, You know, some of the Christians would feel that this world is just really too dirty to get involved Mm -hmm, with. Um, mm -hmm. We love Christ. We're not supposed to get ourselves dirty, so let's not even vote. That's uh, a... a, uh uh, an issue that comes up, I think you've received some communications. I've received yeah. communications all the time, that pastoral questions. People will ask, well, a pastor, a pox on everyone's house. Uh, I just don't know what to do. Uh, no matter what you do, things are not going to turn out right. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there's a great deal of discouragement, but I also think a great deal of confusion. And um, it doesn't, uh, uh, in one sense, take take into account uh, what the Christian role is to be salt and light. Uh, And to be salt and light, it does presume that there will be a fallen and corrupt world. Yeah, that's true. I thought a lot about this. I don't really know where to start. I guess some people would say, well, uh, I want to obey Christ and his kingdom. And once you get involved with politics, that's that's nothing to do with the kingdom of Christ. I mean, maybe we could start there. How do we answer a concern like that is a very sincere Christian that might be asking such a question. Uh, you know, I don't see the intersection. In fact, a well-meaning Christian may say the, the two don't intersect. Therefore, we shouldn't have anything to do with this world. <laughs> well, I would say two things about that, and this might seem like I'm coming at it uh, in a way that I'm not directly answering the question. But let me hmm. lay a little bit of foundation and understanding, my understanding of things, which is understanding which has informed me uh, in my pastoral ministry. Uh, first of all, we can go back to the ancient philosophers, and the one that I would point out is Plato. Plato, of course, as many of you know, wrote a book called The Republic. And what is interesting there, he tried to build if you will, an idealized city didn't exist anywhere based on reason. (laughs) And based on reason, he constructed this city. Now, the word politics he uses from Greek, it means the way the city works. Mm. So anytime you have a collection of people, you're talking about how to run the city, how to govern it, how how the city works. That's called politics. Well, if that's the case, then, of course, we have to be interested in politics if we are – members of the human race. Until Jesus comes or we die, we, in one Mm -hmm. sense, are engaged in politics, and in particular, how to order ourselves from a reasoned and experiential way. So I would say that Christians ought to listen up. It's it's your duty, in one sense, in this country, in our society, to participate in that process as uh, as citizens and as a Christian citizen. That's a good point. We really want to do what's right, and, um, you know, ultimately there's basically only uh, two, three, whatever people that we're going to be voting for. I guess there's some congressional elections and whatnot. Before 
the break, could you talk a little bit about the notion that the candidate must be as perfect as possible versus maybe, can I say that this way and somebody not shoot me, the lesser of the evils? Yes. <laughs> uh, in one sense, uh, we, we always, of course, in a fallen world, are dealing with the lesser of two evils. There is one group uh, of thought that since we are in a position to mitigate evil, that that in a sense is choosing the less of two evils, and therefore a Christian just simply ought not to participate. Mm -hmm. Well, there are groups that have come to that conclusion. They're called the Amish in Pennsylvania and the Anabaptist movement. They just separated themselves from society and conducted Mm -hmm. their own affairs. And uh, then you have a, a person running for office who's not Christian, let's say, for instance, thoroughly Christian. And if they are Christian, they're not living the Christian life based on Christian principles. Mm-hmm. Well, that is, uh, that is always a situation in one sense. Uh, we're only talking a matter of degree. So I don't think that we are to be put off uh, because someone is not a born-again Christian who is a Trinitarian Christian who mm-hmm. is subject to – uh, the law of Christ that's revealed in the Scripture and and is living obedient life. We're not going to have many politicians of that stripe, and when they do, they seem so far out of the mainstream that they're tarred and feathered. Oh, isn't but that we, the case? It yeah. is. So yeah. we still have to participate uh, in the world and to mitigate evil, uh, and right. we can mitigate evil by uh, you know, I, as I told you uh, on one occasion uh, recently, that I would rather someone be robbed than murdered. Oh, that's a good And point. sometimes we're trying to stop a murder, uh, but we do maybe end up with a robbery. Mm. And so citizenship at least can make life more tolerable for all of us to mm-hmm. live in mm-hmm. if it's exercised by a Christian from a Christian perspective. Mm-hmm. Good point. Well, hold that thought. Today we're talking about the Christian's involvement in this world, particularly in the the political realm, since that's coming up and we have decisions to make, right? So stay with us. We'll be right back after the break. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. Some trust in the work they do. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. By His grace all the work is through. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Sing. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. 
And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmdorf, and in the studio with me today, Dr. John Vance. We're talking about the Christian's involvement in this world, and in particular in the whole realm of government and politics. And you might say, well, Redeemer, how dare you talk about that on the air? But, you know, um, we read our Bible, we realize, wait a minute, um, Christians get involved with this world. Christians get involved with the, with the dirt, even, of this world. And so why should we uh, prohibit ourselves from a discussion as this? And participating in the civil realm. Of, uh, it's <laughs> yeah. our privilege. Yeah. Now, um, Jesus had some things to say, certainly, about uh, the world in his day, which I think applies to our own case. And he said something about Caesar and uh, rendering unto Caesar. Maybe you could help us understand his words and his intent in that. Yes, that's uh, that's an important matter. In Matthew's Gospel, for instance, uh, uh, in the 22nd chapter, uh, the Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus, and they brought him a coin, and uh, they thought they had him trapped with the coin. Whose coin is it? And so forth. Yeah. And um, uh, Jesus, though, responded by recognizing something that had been established in Israel. He said, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God, mm-hmm. God's. What Jesus recognizes is, in a practical way, there are two kingdoms, even though there's only one Lord who's, who's mm-hmm. head over all. Sure. But in the fallen world, we have two kingdoms. And I love the way St. Augustine put it when he wrote his, his uh, great work, The City of God. And he says, I believe in the 13th chapter, or maybe this, uh, and the 17th, I, uh, books, they're books, actually, it's mm-hmm. a very long work. He says, there are two societies or cities formed by two loves, one love for God and one love for self. Now, that is a fact of our human existence in this life. Christians yeah. must recognize that. Yes. And we are to live in the world. We're part of the biological creative process that generates new human beings in this world. Mm-hmm. And we are to live in the world until Jesus comes or we are taken home. Now, how do we live in the world? And how do we live with those who are fallen but in the image of God? Well, we do through the political system. And in the Old Testament, there's a distinction, and Jesus is just following up on this, between the priesthood and the rest of Israel. That's Aaron, a good point. Yeah, Aaron yeah. is set aside, uh, and he is the priest, and his lineage will form special services, you might say akin to the church, whereas the whole of Israel is the Christian community or the community at large living among the nations. Mm. And so we must make that distinction and um, – I'm afraid if we don't, we have what I will call a confusion of categories very quickly. Mm. We will get things all balled up and not know how to properly relate to the world. Well, well, let's talk about this for a minute. Um, Let's talk about the church in particular, some of the activities that go on in the church that are not necessarily going to go on in the world. Maybe the authority. In other words, some folks may have a tendency of confusing the role of the church and the role of Christians at large in society. And could we talk about the role of the church in particular among its members? Yeah, it's one of the faulty understandings, I think, in modern Christianity. First of all, we have a poor ecclesiology. What does that mean? A poor doctrine of the church. Mm -hmm. We don't understand what the church is clearly. We think it's just a collection of Christians. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ was established by Christ, 
And it is made up of authority to judge its own, to call people to worship, to administer the sacraments, and preach the gospel, and prepare people uh, for heaven and to live in this world. Mm -hmm. But we have a priority. Our priority is to do those things that are commanded in Scripture for the church to do. Paul never got confused about this. But we also, as people, live in the world, and we exercise, as Christians, a citizenship in the world. Now, any collection of Christians is not the church. For instance, any collection of Christians at a Christian school, for instance, are not Mm -hmm. not, – have the authority to administer the sacraments Mm -hmm. or to discipline people. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are left to the church, and it's 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 a court. It's a it's a judicatory. That's a big word. It's yeah. a court of the Lord Jesus Christ or a council. You know what bothers me? It's almost embarrassing to admit it, but there's quite a confusion among Christians today of the role of the church. And I, I'm thinking, uh, you know, certainly you've got the confusion that that Harold Camping brought to the whole equation with his oh, what a destructive, terrible, thing. He, terrible he, he, yes. heresies. And I was talking to a man just just the other day, just earlier this week, who still was holding on to this idea that the church is done away with. And I think I, that's so foreign to my understanding and so foreign to the to Christ's understanding. He would not divorce himself from his body. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, you right. know, a, a head without a body? I don't even know what it looks yes, like. Yes, yeah. So, And where did the Great Commission to... Preach oh, the gospel yeah. at the end of the ages, particularly yeah. the church. Yeah, but the church is to be distinguished from the Christian community, just like right. in Israel, the priesthood was distinguished from Israel at large. I think Jewish people have this right. They they make a distinction between themselves as meeting in the synagogue or temple, mm-hmm. and also being a people. Interesting. In other words, their political power does not intrude so much into the synagogue, it mm-hmm. comes from the Jewish community being a community with certain interests. Sure. The Christian community has to do the same thing. We, we have our church and worship where we get our engines fired up, but the Christian community at large, as we go into the world, we are to carry that yeah. into the world and exercise our, yeah. our franchise as Christians, citizens. So is it, I'm going to ask an obvious question, is it right for me to expect perfection from a political candidate or or from somebody in the world, I obviously it, yeah. it's not. I, I there are two things that. I can say about that. First of all, if you're a utopian, yes, but Christians should not okay. be utopians. Yeah. We're not utopians. We <laughs> we have a realistic view of life. Right. It's a fallen world for which Christ died to redeem. Uh, the second thing is the world of nature is ruled and governed by reason and experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would like if we were all. Christian society to be governed by Christian principles rooted in divine revelation, but that's not the reality. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe if you're a post-millennialist, that'll happen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or we'll wait till we get to heaven. <laughs> the other thing is, uh, therefore, we share reason and, and human experience according to nature with people at large, and if we can get we people to live up to that reason and common sense, we will have a better society you know, for all of us. I would be a lot happier if they would just live according to reason and common sense right now. It's not the case. I, I, I'm, I'm just shocked. The things that I see going on in society, a six-year-old that's raised in a Christian home could figure it out. Yes. Or, or you know, we mentioned before off mic um, 
the whole thing of protecting life. And we've shared <laughs> we've shared this over the air with our listeners on a behind the scenes. We've got chickens, and I bought some little chicks. Well, wouldn't you know, one of the mother hens adopted 25 baby chicks. <laughs> and if you can sneak into that chicken coop at night with the light and really quiet, you can find this mother hen in the corner with her wings outspread protecting her little baby chicks, and they're not even hers. And and this is nature. It's nature. And, and when Christians abandon, for instance, the public sphere, uh, they're abandoning something that God created, even though it's fallen. Mm-hmm. But he created reason, and he created wisdom. And if we can govern our societies that way, we will support the poor and the weak and the elderly who can't support themselves. We will do many things. We will pass good laws that are common sense laws. Right now, we are passing laws for fringe groups that are destroying our society because they're against nature. It's a, it's a fearful thing what I see going on right now. You're exactly right. It is fringe groups. Um, we live in an area here, of course, in the Hudson Valley. Debbie and I live in a, in a watershed district. So we see more police than you can shake a stick at. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got uh, the sheriff's department, you've got the state police, you've got the town cops, and then you have this whole other layer. You've got the New York City cops here. Yeah, yeah, wait, right up here in the boonies, we have New York City cops and the DEP, and, and we're copped to death. And and, mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. say they're bumping do we, into each other. Do we need all this and the uh, EPA and all of the regulations? Uh, I'm not sure it's helping, but rather actually hurting us. You know, we need Christian Congresspersons, men and women. Who, That's a real need. Who will who will advocate laws that are wholesome and healthy? Mm. I can never, for this reason, be uh, uh, what what they call. Uh, uh, what is that, Ayn Rand, libertarian. Mm-hmm. And the one reason I could not be a libertarian is for this reason. Libertarians want to carve out a place that is amoral, that where morality doesn't pertain, just mm-hmm. let people do their own thing. There are two things wrong with that. Number one, it's not possible. Uh, I, earlier I referred to Plato. Politics involves morality, moral motions. Well, it does, sure. And secondly, the law is didactic. That is, it performs a teaching function. And when you remove sane and common sense laws, those who are weakest among us, those who are least equipped to live life, their support and, and uh, direction is pulled out from under them, and they're mm-hmm. left to their own devices. Mm-hmm. And so these people who want to carve out uh, a place where morality does not – my personal morality does not pertain – has separated – uh, morality from politics. Now, we want to do that to some extent, but not wholeheartedly in a, mm-hmm. in a way which is against nature. Yeah, that's very true. And uh, I'm not against the libertarians. In fact, I don't think you are either. I no, think not have, at all. We have a lot in common with them when I'm it very comes close. to <laughs> yeah, when it comes to the issue of dear government, please get out of our lives mm-hmm. and leave us alone and stop taxing us to death. We have a lot in common. Of course, there. that's another issue that I agree with entirely with the libertarians. The government <laughs> is everywhere. I do, too. I do, too. But um, I used to have a libertarian friend. <clears throat> I haven't seen him in years, but I used to call him my lawless libertarian. I would tease him, you know, because there was just, there was just no law. You do whatever you want, you know, you know just legalize everything. Just everything. It doesn't matter regarding its morality. Well, that can work for people who are, are well-established and who are That's mature. That's the point. It cannot work for the masses if, in many ways. They if, need direction. If you have inherited 
the Judeo-Christian ethic, and you're living in accordance with that without even realizing it, yeah, you can pretty much be a libertarian. But if you pull that out, and it's really not there in the libertarian system, then I think there is a problem. Civilization is rare. It's a thin crust over a boiling, seething cauldron. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's very easily re- destroyed or removed, and uh, we're only one way a uh, step away or a thin crust away from mm-hmm. barbarism. And what distinguishes us uh, from many civilizations uh, in the past, or lack of it, is that, that we've had enough good laws with enough good people to live those laws yeah. that those who don't uh, are offset. Yes. But I'm afraid the balance is tipped. That's very insightful. Um in closing, um, one more issue, if we may, talk about, and that is the poor, the um, the outcast, the increasingly people that are down and out. And boy, I tell you, we have a pile of it now occurring in our society. Sometimes those of us who are of a more conservative viewpoint uh, may be accused of being, oh, you're just a heartless capitalist, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, help us think through that from a Christian perspective, and how would Christ think through these things? Um, help us there. Well, I would start out by saying, uh, look what has happened with the war on poverty since the early 1960s. Mm-hmm. We have spent literally trillions and trillions of dollars in transfer payments and everything else trying to offset poverty, and the poverty rate is greater today than it was then. Mm. That is a fact of our existence. Yes. Or at least no change, if not greater. The second thing you will find uh, is that if you don't use common sense solutions to common sense problems, people need an incentive. Actually, they need a little imp- people need a little pressure to get out of bed and go that to work. That is so true. And they need a little common sense. So we can't just hand people things. We've got to teach people to fish, so to speak, yeah. not give them a fish. Yes. Because there will never be a full human being exercising their freedom if they're always being given things. Right. It destroys human dignity. And I think in the Scripture, if you read the Proverbs, this is absolutely enshrined in every proverb. <laughs> I love the Proverbs. Uh, lately I've been, you know, there's 31 chapters, and I've yes. been kind of lazy. I've, that's been my reading lately. <laughs> you know, I just say, okay, you know, today's the 29th. Let me open it up to Proverbs 29 and just read what it says. And I'm getting a good dose of wisdom. Now if it'll only stick. Well, today we've been talking about the Christian in this world with respect to politics and government and you know this is a pretty dirty world and how are we supposed to get involved with it? i hope it's been helpful any final closing remark before we leave today you mentioned the poor we do the christian church and and society must have a preference in one sense for the poor but we mm-hmm. must go about this in the right way that that uh, is is according to our nature not against nature mm-hmm. uh, we, we we could pour another trillion 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 dollars and never solve the oh, problem yeah. We have to do it smart. Yeah, amen to that. In the studio with me today has been Dr. John Vance. I'm Dan Elmendorf. This broadcast is called A Plain Answer. Please visit us on the web. Our address there is RedeemerBroadcasting.org, where this is posted as a podcast. And a reminder to please join us again next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. And I think, John, next week what we'll do is get together again and talk about some of the specific issues that we as Christians have on our minds as we go into the voting booth without telling people who to vote for, but some of the issues that really count. See you then. 
Some trust in the wealth of things. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Name worth more than anything. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Trust in the name of the Lord. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. His love never fails. His name will always prevail. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. His love never fails. His name will always prevail. We trust in the name of the Lord.